Today's scripture comes from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 23 through 25. Then he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Bryce. Well, friends, good morning. Did you know that Thanksgiving is Thursday? Seriously, I did not. Uh, and uh, I hate to admit it to you this morning that I did not realize that Thanksgiving was this Thursday. I knew it was coming, but it wasn't until my aunt had called me on this past Thursday and went over the plans that we had made a couple of months ago and told me when she was going to arrive at our house and what she was going to bring for Thanksgiving that I finally realized that Thanksgiving was this week. Don't worry, we have a turkey. It's okay. Uh, but there are some other things that we'll likely be running out to the store for because I forgot. My aunt was telling me about these plans and I was just going along with them, going through the motions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're looking forward to seeing you. Seriously, we are looking forward to seeing her. And sorry if you're watching Aunt Barb, but we are looking forward to seeing you soon. But I didn't think it was this Thursday. Often we can get so wrapped up in the things of this life that we lose sight of what really matters. And for the past few weeks, we've been in this sermon series, Growing Gratitude, taking a look at our values and our virtues and what really matters. Gratitude is a learned behavior. It's something that comes up from within us, our heart. It makes us more uh, response uh, driven for what the things of this life truly mean for us. It makes us whole as giving gratitude to what God has done in, with, and through our lives. As we show our gratitude and live with an attitude of gratitude, it takes shape and we get to see life from a different point of view or a different perspective. It changes how we interact with others and it changes our point of view. It helps us to step outside of what we normally view things and helps us to see God's point of view. In the scripture passages that Bryson read this morning from the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, Jesus lays out these commitments, what it means and who it will be who follow him, how we should strive for the kingdom always and focus on the kingdom of God mentality. So as we begin this morning, will you pray with me? 
Holy and living God, we give you thanks for this day, and we pray that as we come to this place, uh, as we have laid down our lives before you and before your cross, that you might inspire us to go forward in your name, that we might lay it all down at your feet our entire life and take up your cross and take up your yoke and be yoked with you forever. So God, may the words in my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Because, oh God, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen. According to a recent NASDAQ article, it shared that uh, with this upcoming week and weekend, starting tomorrow, Monday through next Monday, it's the busiest shopping season of the year. Obviously, we know that, right? Thanksgiving that's coming up, again, I'm telling you this so you do not fall in the same trap that I fell into. Thanksgiving is a holiday that's focused on gratitude and family and also what? The food, friends, the food, turkey and stuffing and corn casserole and green bean casserole. It said in that article that Americans will spend roughly 130 billion with a B dollars. Ooh. Come on, where is it? Ooh, it's kind of convicting, right? How much of that do you think will get spent on uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday as well? What do you think? Well, let me ask you this. How much do you think is going to get spent on Thanksgiving itself? Half? $75 billion? What about a quarter? $25 billion. What do you think? Half? A quarter? Neither, neither, friends. $1.1 billion is what's going to be spent on Thanksgiving. The other, the rest, the other $128.9 billion is going to be spent on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Ooh, where's that? Ooh. Commercialism and materialism in our society continues to increase year after year. We live trying to accumulate things which is often achieved by the means of financial prosperity, financial prosperity. And we live our lives trying to accumulate those things, those toys, those trinkets, and those trophies. And at the end of the day, there is still a void in our hearts and a void in our lives. And so we accumulate more things, trying to fill those voids. For Black Friday and Cyber Monday, consumers cannot just help but take advantage of the deals and the steals. But their ad says it's on sale. I gotta do it. I can, I can get a shop back for 30 bucks. Can you believe it? But is it really a discount? Hmm. Is it really worth it? I've shared with you before that I am among those crazies that venture out on Black Friday. And since we're in church, and this is a place to be truthful and to be confessing, right? Amen? So in full transparency, I'm going to tell you again that I will be out there on Black Friday. And if you see me, let's just wave to each other and acknowledge each other's presence. uh, And not just, you know, turn the other cheek and look the other way. But... On Black Friday, rather than going out and shopping without boundaries or a purpose, I make a list and I stick to it. If the store doesn't have what I want, I just skip it and go on to something else. But I don't buy something else in its place. Another full confession from me this morning. I'm I'm going to be full of confessions, okay? Is that okay? Full transparency yet again. I wasn't always this way of making a list and checking it twice. I always wanted to accumulate things. And I inherited from my grandmother the great trait of accumulation. Ooh, come on, where's it at? 
Listen, over the years, I have become better, but it's still a struggle sometimes. The usual Sunday afternoon for my grandmother would be filled with going through her coupons. She had binders and binders of coupons, and she needed to go through the grocery ads to figure out which deal in steel was available at the stores. And so she went through the Sunday paper, and for hours and hours, she would flip through the binder and flip through the coupons, trying to find the best deal possible, matching them up with the sale ads, and she would map it out and calculate it precisely matching the store ads with the coupons and the department store that they were in. Binders and binders all organized and filled. And you know what? She would often purchase a product just because she had a what? A coupon. Are you serious? Come on, Grandma. You didn't really need all of that tea concentrate. Her pantry, her closet, her wardrobe, all filled with stuff that she didn't even need or want. But she bought it because she had a coupon. Are you that same way? Thanks be to, oh, some of us, some of us. It's okay. Listen, there was one closet in particular filled to capacity, top to bottom, bottom to top, with items that she would never use. And again, her justification, she had a what? A coupon. And so a few years ago, she was moving, and I had a come-to-Jesus moment with her. And I said, listen, Grandma, just because you have a coupon doesn't mean you need to buy it. And so you need to cease from those product purchases because we're going to have to move it to your new home. And so thankfully, she did. But then I also told her that she needed to go through her current stockpile in order to get rid of some of the stuff because I didn't want to move it all to her new house. And so we found that closet. That was filled to the brim, top to bottom, bottom to top, with items that she bought but never used, simply because she had a coupon. There were boxes and boxes of cereal that were a few months from their expiration date. And rather than moving stuff from her current house to her new house, some of those boxes of cereal ended up at the local food pantry. And so full confession, Grandma, I did it seven years ago. Now you know. She has been on the hunt for whoever donated those boxes to the local food pantry for years. In our scripture passage for this morning from the gospel of Luke, Jesus gives an invitation to those who are gathered around him. He says, if any want to be my follower, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Prior to this portion of scripture, Jesus had just told the disciples that he, the son of man, must uh, suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the scribes, and the chief priests, and be killed and be raised on the third day. This wasn't just a plan or a prediction or an idea of what was going to happen. This is what was going to happen. This was the fulfillment that was going to reconcile God with all of humanity and all of creation. And so Jesus says, if anyone wants to be one of my followers, they must deny themselves. Do the same thing that I am going to do. Take up a cross. And at first glance, we kind of hear that Jesus says, oh, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And we might hear it as a precursor, a foreshadowing of what is to come. And that is true, right? We have the entirety of the gospel. And we know that Jesus was killed and was crucified on a cross. But this statement from Jesus goes further. It goes beyond. It says that we are to have complete denial to oneself. To follow Jesus means that we are to lay down one's life just as Jesus did. Jesus' life was the atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. And what Jesus commands in taking up our cross is not just a generalized obligation or a persistent annoyance or a symbolic burden, but it was stating that 
We must come together, acknowledge in our life what truly matters, and all the rest must be dropped and denied. We often hear around this passage, well, that's just my cross to bear. That phrase comes to mind. But this taking up of one's cross and bearing one's cross bears much more weight. It's a sacrificing, a crucifying of things of our lives. And as I was going deeper into this text for this morning and hearing that phrase come to my head again and again, well, that's just my cross to bear. Hear this, friends. We do not bear our cross alone, but Christ is always with us. Amen? But when we hear that phrase, well, we say to our friends and our neighbors and our colleagues, well, let me help you carry that cross. It might make it easier on that person, but at the end of the day, that is a cross that we give back to them. We, Jesus says, must bear our own cross, the stuff that we have to deal with, the stuff that we have to lay down. Denying oneself coupled with taking up our cross could be seen as a duplication, right? If we deny ourselves, we're simply not doing something. The desire might still be there, but we're not carrying out and fulfilling those desires. But Jesus says, no, take it a step further. Deny yourself and take up your cross. Crucify it. Get rid of it. Sacrifice it. The cross comes with humiliation and torture and pain and sacrifice. In the first century world, the cross meant one thing, death by crucifixion. Romans would force convicted criminals to carry their own cross to that place of persecution. It meant that someone was about to die. And they were going to face ridicule and shame and scrutiny along the way. Take up your cross is a call that one must be willing to die in order to follow Jesus. To die to ourselves and to be in complete surrender to God. It was never a voluntary action. And there's anything but. Jesus said those who want to follow him must voluntarily take up their own crosses. It's not about self-promotion or self-affirmation, but it was an acknowledgement that they are not choosing their own way, their own wills, their own wants, and their own desires, but choosing the way of God, an other-centered person way. To be one of my followers, they must take up their cross daily and follow me. And Chris has already stole my sermon point from that perspective, but it's okay, I'll tell it to you again. No one can be crucified daily, right? Literally, physically. Crucifixion is a one and done kind of event. But with this addition of daily, Jesus is saying every day you're going to have a choice to make. Will you take up your cross? Will you take up the mantle of Christ and be yoked with him? Or will you go for your own wills and your own wants and your own desires? Jesus is reminding his disciples and reminding us that following him comes with a cost. You have to take up your cross. You've got to sacrifice. You've got to serve. You've got to get off your knees and roll up your sleeves. You've got to sacrifice. You've got to be in mission and ministry. Jesus says, if you want your life to have purpose, if you think your life should have purpose, and more than just about saving and accumulating everything, you're going to miss it. But, Jesus says, if you lose your life for my sake, then you will find it. Amen? Jesus says in Luke 6, 25, what do people profit if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Some think that this life is all about living and accumulating. It's going to be easy and they miss their point. 
They think it's all about the toys and the trinkets and the trophies, but they go into eternity with an empty heart and empty soul. And this is a warning from Jesus that we live in a materialistic culture. Even in the first century world lived in a materialistic culture. They tried to be seduced by the assumption of things, security and fulfillment. And we often fill those voids by financial prosperity and just accumulating things. And we gain things trying to fill that void that is deep within us. But at the end of the day, that void just needs more things to be put in it. Like my grandmother with her wardrobe closet and her closets and everything else. Just trying to buy and accumulate, take advantage of the deals and the steals. My friends, we live... In contrast, as disciples to the ways of the world, we're called to live as a response to the free gift that God has given us. And that free gift is eternal salvation. Amen? The way of living a Christ-centered and kingdom-focused life cannot be isolated, but it imputes and goes through our entire life. It's kingdom living. And as we heard this morning, as Bryson read the other scripture passage from the gospel of Matthew, Jesus says to seek first, strive first for the kingdom of God and you will have all you need. That's good news. Amen. All you need. Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or wear because life is more important and life has bigger things than what you will eat and drink and wear. And Jesus uses this analogy that uh, includes part of creation, the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, the grass of the field. And Jesus says, take away your attention from the petty things and little things and small things and everyday things in this life. But focus on what really matters in eternity, the kingdom of God. If we truly seek to live the way that Jesus calls us, it will be difficult to turn the other cheek, to forgive, to worship consistently, to be generous, to not be so focused on the things of this world, but the kingdom of God. Jesus is not saying do not care, but he says do not worry. He's not advocating for a childish irresponsibility. Have no commitments. Don't have any goals. Don't set any standards for your life. Just go with the flow. Let the wind take you. Don't work hard. Just relax. That's not what the scripture nor Jesus are saying. Jesus is saying don't adopt that lifestyle of not caring. He says consider the birds, not be like the birds. He wants us to learn a lesson from the birds. The birds know that God is going to take care of them, right? That God is going to provide the the tools and necessities for building a nest and, and digging into the ground to find the worms. But God is going to provide no matter what. And much like the lilies and the grass, God is going to provide the nourishment from the soil and the sun and the water. They are created to do something as part of creation. And we must be confident that we are as well. Not lazy, but confident. God is going to be with us and provide for us all that we need. We have to do our part as well. We don't have to worry because God is going to provide. Amen? There is still something that we must do to employ the gifts, the graces, the skills and abilities that God has given us for the kingdom work that God has called us to. Jesus concludes this scripture portion of Matthew's gospel by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you, food and clothing and shelter. But you have to give something up in order to seek it. Jesus says, don't worry. 
about tomorrow, for today has enough problems of its own. Yes, we should plan for the future. Yes, we should make an investment into our future, but we don't need to worry about every single detail. The fact is, friends, when what we focus on gets bigger, when we focus on our problems and our worries, they get bigger as well. But when we focus on God, and when we focus on God who is good and his presence and his purpose for our life, then we focus on our faith and our relationship with God, and that gets bigger and bigger and bigger, knowing that God will provide for us always. Amen? A few weeks ago, I was getting my haircut here in Stafford, which I need to go again. Um, <laughs> but the stylist was asking me those small talk questions, asked me what I did uh, for a living and asking me what our plans were for Thanksgiving and, and the upcoming travel holidays. And um, and she asked me what, what I did for a living. And I told her that I was a pastor. And when people uh, hear that I'm a pastor, they usually do one of two things. They either share with me all about their life, which I am willing to listen. And I need to get a haircut, so I'm there for a couple minutes, right? Or the conversation goes silent. The conversation with this stylist was neither. After telling her that I was a pastor, she asked what church, and I told her that I was one of the pastors at Ebenezer Church. And tears started to well up in her eyes. And she was silent for a moment. She said, last year, Ebenezer provided for her family in a time of great need. Her husband had lost his job. She couldn't get any more hours at the shop and bills were due and the rent needed to be paid. And she said for the month of November, her husband and her had scrimped and saved everything they had to pay their bills. And so they wouldn't have anything for the rest of the month. She said she called her friends and her friends had told her to call Ebenezer. And my friends, it's because of your great generosity and your tithes and your offerings and the gifts that you give that this family had a Christmas dinner and Christmas presents underneath the tree. My friends, that is what kingdom living, a kingdom focused, a kingdom mentality is all about. That is the fruit that is born and produced from sacrificial living and giving. It's the ministries and the missions that you are a part of by your great generosity and would not and could not happen if you didn't employ your gifts and your skills and your abilities and your living sacrificially. My friends, I want to invite you over this next week to fill out those estimate of giving cards. It helps us to plan for the future of Ebenezer Church and especially in this next year. How we are responding to God's grace in, with, and through our lives and how we are responding to the invitation from Christ to be a part of God's transforming the world. There is work that needs to be done. Amen? And God is going to provide abundantly. And in doing abundantly, we can provide all that we are in the community and in the church and throughout the world. Amen?